Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast, episode 63. I have a really fun guest today, Hani Arantrao. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I am so excited. So guys, Hani is the founder and principal designer of Fine and Pink, an interior design company named after her amazingly chic nanas Isabella Fine and Shirley Pink. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that it's after the grandmas. Um, known for her fearless mix of colors and patterns, Hani has helped numerous clients adopt a more vibrant and personalized approach to design and passionate about helping other women entrepreneurs. Hani has her own podcast now called Boss Madel. Madel for the uninitiated is Yiddish for girl, for lady. What is it? Yeah, for girl. Lady, you got it. Where she explores the unique (laughs) narratives of working moms. So, Connie, where this is very, I I feel like telling the guys, like, are we going to have anything for them today? Should we tell them to go find another episode? Like, is this one just for the ladies? You know, I'm wondering that. It is a bit, I'm going to get a little touchy-feely, but I have to say, and I hope my husband doesn't kill me for saying this, he's an entrepreneur and, you know, runs a business and he has read Brene Brown and has done a lot of touchy-feely work and it has really helped him. So, hey. You never know. Okay. So guys, if you're up for touchy feely, stay tuned. You're in the right place. Otherwise go and like, listen to one of our like Facebook hack advertising ones. Um, and ladies, I think you're in for a treat today. So honey, I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah, same here. So tell me, you mentioned before we dive into your backstory, um, you mentioned that you're really passionate about helping people and dealing with the struggles women face in business. And you mentioned something specifically about, you know, everyone says women should lean in, you know, be strong, set those boundaries, know your worth. And why don't we? And you had such a good take on that. I'd love to just start there. Sure. So, you know, I run my own interior design business and I read a lot of business books, listen to a lot of podcasts. And a lot of people would constantly say, as women, why are we not strong enough? Why are we not confident enough? Why are we not standing in our own space? Men have no problem asking for a raise or a promotion. Why are women so cautious? Why are we so hard on ourselves? And we need to you know, be strong and we need to have confidence and we need to tell ourselves, I am enough. And that was all great. But if you don't go into the personal reasons why each woman struggles, then you don't really get a solution. So it's not enough to chant to ourselves, I am enough or I need to be stronger. We have to understand why, what's causing us to hold back from playing bigger. And um, for me personally, it was, I have a tendency to be a perfectionist and I have a tendency to people please. And so without working on those, I would never be able to get to a next level of my career. So learning to address those issues and really work through those especially in a business like interior design, where there will always be problems. You are dealing with contract So if you're going to expect perfection 100% of the time, you can't really function as an interior designer. And you can't have the confidence to build if you know there's a small issue. That is inevitable. So really, I had to learn how to work through that and be able to say, it's okay, I am enough. And this project is enough. And my client is happy enough and we can move forward as opposed to nitpicking and really stressing myself out. Okay. I hear that. I hear that. But to me, they're kind of two disparate things, right? Mm -hmm. So I love when people say they're perfectionists. Like that was always my go-to, like, what's your greatest fault in like a job entry? I'm like, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. And, and it's true, but it's one of those like, you know, say compliment faults. Like there's like a list of them, you know, for job interviews, like these are the accepted faults that you may have. (laughs) <laughs> because they're, they're like, you know, they're pluses and minuses. How does that connect to the inability to lean in though? Like, cause if I'm too perfect, then if you, if you are afraid of failure, 
Ah, you know, okay. if you are Beautiful. terrified of making a mistake, you will play it so safe. You will take on the smaller job. You will be afraid to tell, in my case, was being afraid to tell a client, let's, let's go big. Let's try something different here. Or sure, I can help you with this larger project. So you play it so safe and, and you play it so small to avoid failure. Because, you know, if you're, and especially for me, I was a great student in school. So success was really easy for me. And that became my, my level of normal. You know, you get 90s, you get 100s, that's life. And so then to go into business where, yeah, sometimes there are small failures or mistakes or learning curves. And to be able to say, that's okay, let me lean into that so that I can grow, that's a much healthier you know, aspect of running a business. And again, this is just my personal experience, but I think if every woman looked at how they relate to their business and, and you know, what's their personal and emotional makeup, then they can try to find the reasons why they're not leaning in. So I think it's a very personal, you know, issue for each woman. Okay. I don't know. Again, I work primarily with male clients, honestly, <laughs> and I find that a lot of them have fears of failure too. <laughs> like I don't, I don't see this as an exclusively women's issue. I'll tell you what I find more with the women, okay. people pleasing. That I do see a lot more. The fear of failure, I kind of see pretty balanced across the board. And honestly, I'll, I'll be totally transparent, guys. <laughs> the few of you that are still listening, don't kill me. Um, I'm not going to mention any names. But I find that sometimes the men are more afraid of failure right? Because the expectation is so much higher. Um, failure, the consequences are so much more severe, right? The need to succeed professionally and out in the world. Even with all of the progress we've made, we still look in a certain stance, really across the board, that a woman who has zero success in her relationships is still a certain measure of failure. And a man who has zero success professionally is a certain measure of failure. Um, but we don't look at it the opposite way. Like a man who's not succeeding in relationships, we're like, oh, he's a man. And a woman who's not succeeding professionally, we're like, oh, she's a woman, which is obnoxious and wrong, but it's just what is, right? So right. the pressure I feel like on men is so much bigger, but what I see so much with my women clients is they just, every, they need everyone to be happy. Like my male clients are like, forget you. I don't care if you're happy. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really care. But the women clients, no, but they'll be upset at me. But what if they don't like it? I'm like, I don't care if they don't like it. This might be work. I work more with men. Like, yes, yes. This. But I think women take it so personally. Like, oh, yes. This business. Yes. None of your business, what people think of you in your business. Yes. And if you are a creative and you are billing on an hourly you know, cycle, I can't tell you how easy it is for someone like me who is a people pleaser to say, you know, they weren't so happy. Let me take off an hour here. Let me take off an hour here. Uh, and I've listened to interior design podcasts where so many interior designers have done this, where they just don't feel comfortable enough saying, I'm going to bill for A, B, and C because they're terrified that possibly the client will not be as happy. So I think sometimes perfectionism and people pleasing very often go hand in hand. Um, and I agree with you that it's prevalent among women you know, very much so. And it's not really talked about. Yeah. No, I, I, I would, I would love to focus in there. Cause I think, and again, I've, I've seen it with men also, but here I really have seen it way heavier with my female clients where I, like, if you were my client, I would yell at you. I'd be like, Yo, <laughs> you did the work. Again, you have a contract, you have a professional agreement. Um, there's always room for negotiation, but from a perspective sure. of negotiation, not like, oh, you didn't like, like, okay, sweetie, I'll make a different dinner. Like, no. Okay. That's not how this works. So, okay. This I like. So let, we're going to come back to here. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit more how you got into interior design. And again, you're so, I feel like you're so girly. Like everything is fine and pink. It's named after your grandmas. You're all into the women. It's so fascinating for me because I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm just very masculine. I'm like, I'm very not like, <sighs> like pink. <laughs> right. <laughs> like what's, what's really funny is that the first couple of projects I had were actually for bachelors, which is that, really funny. That is really funny. Okay. So <laughs> how, how did you start? How did this get started? Okay. So I started doing bachelor pads. Yeah. Yes. So I started uh, years ago in New York city. Um, after I went to seminary, which is like the, you know, kind of Jewish equivalent of private college. I moved to New York and I uh, enrolled in FIT. I wanted to study home product development at that time, but they didn't have a full program. And so I started taking courses in interior design. 
At the same time, I got a job in Seoul for a retail store that sold homewares, furniture, accessories, and linens. And I started off, you know, on the floor doing sales. And I then moved up to doing, being their display designer and then their buyer, assistant buyer, which was really fun. And I loved it. And to this day, my passion really is sales uh, in home furnishings. And my dream one day would be to have my own shop. I just Ooh, love, I love the, it. Yes. I love the one-on-one -on -one conversations with the customers. I felt like we lost a lot of it today with the, you know, um, online shopping. And I think it's coming back a little bit. So that's something I'd love to do. But back to uh, New York, I really loved my job and my classes. And after I worked in the first store, I then went on to a linen showroom where I managed the showroom. We did very high-end custom linens, mostly coming from Italy. And I love that as well. It was a little more challenging, dealing with a lot of designers and high-end projects. And then I had to take a break because I got pregnant with my first child and my pregnancy was something else. <laughs> <laughs> I was sick as a dog. <laughs> See, for that, I think everyone can relate. You know, any, anyone yes. who's had any exposure either as being a woman with child or as being married to or related to in any way. So, so yeah, that, yeah, that definitely does happen. Yes. So after that, I really took off for, and then I had my second child. We moved to Miami for a year and then to Los Angeles. And so I kind of did the full-time mommy thing for a good couple years. And then I thought, excuse me for saying this, I'm going to lose my mind. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm impressed. I actually, I only ever tried it for three weeks and I was done. I've been working since I was a teenager. And when I left my CIO job, I was like, I'm done. I'm done trying to work. I'm balanced family. I had three little kids. I'm like, done, done, done. I am stopping to work. After two weeks, I had finished every single organizational project. I was losing it. And I started a business. Good for and you. And after three weeks, I made the choice that I will never not work again. But right. I was like, ha, huh, I told you so. <laughs> now, I want to clarify by saying that I have friends who are fantastic as stay-at-home moms, but you really have to know yourself. You have to know what yourself. what you're capable of. Yeah. And, and I think that's so important you know, for everybody. And there's so much guilt for the ladies associated with going out to work. Like I know for myself, when I would drop my baby off at the babysitter, and again, I've already figured out now about 10 years ago that I have to work, I'll lose it. Mm -hmm. I would drop off one of my babies at the babysitter and I feel like it was the Holocaust every single time. Be like, I'm giving my baby away to the strangers and going on the train. Like that's, and that, oh, I like get yes. the chills now just thinking about it. But I think so many ladies who go to work, this tug of war, and this guilt of, but I should be saying, mm -hmm. no, there's no shoulds anymore. Sorry. You should be true to yourself and be your best self. That's what you should do. Yes. I couldn't agree more. So I actually fell back into work because a friend as a favor asked me to help her design her home. At that time, she was working with a designer who didn't have time to finish some of the rooms. And the designer liked my work and offered me an internship. So what was funny was after running and managing a showroom on my own. I now was older, I was a mom of two kids, and I went back to two internships where I fetched coffee and folded fabrics for free. Oh, wow. And I did this because I was new to Los Angeles and new to the design scene. I'd been out of the business for a while, and I really wanted to learn the ropes. And I think this is really important because I was speaking to a, a high school student, and she was like, why would I do that for free? And I think in this generation of instant gratification, you know, there really is something to doing your time, whatever that may be, but really learning the industry, making connections, getting a mentor. It was humbling. I, I, I will say <laughs> it really was, but it really helped me. Totally. And you know what? I so relate. When I left my job and I dove back into marketing, I went to work in sponsorship sales for mm -hmm. the Mobile Marketing Association. I had been a CIO of a multinational. I, had, I was running the place, more or less. I, was, I had my own right. team. And here, I was just part of this giant, I don't know what, you know, just clocking my hours and, you know, supporting the, the sales staff and reaching out. At, but that's what you do. Because I had been out of the mainstream marketing scene for so long that 
that you go back in at the bottom, guys. That's what you do. And yep. if you can swallow that pride, you gain so, I gained so much from that job. I learned some of the top tools. I was able to be part of their conferences for free. I got to reach out to all these big companies. I had like this deep dive in. I had an education and made connections that I would have had to pay major money for. So I took a big pay cut. Right. But I didn't pay money for everything that I gained. And, and I think it is so important. I think a lot of people miss that. And I think it's hard also, you know, um, after you've been in a higher professional position and then you have to step out, either you step out for any reason, right? Kids, some people mm -hmm. have to step out for illness, um, or you decide to switch industries. Get sure. back in at the bottom. You'll, you'll go up quick. You've got the potential, but go back in at the bottom and you'll go up really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really fortunate at that time because I was able to get childcare and work for free. So I, I, you know, I have to clarify that, but it was a tremendous, uh, learning process for me. And after working for a couple of years, I opened my own company. Love it. And so now yeah. you do wait, but I want to know about this first job at the bachelor pads. Cause you're the oh, girly girl. Okay. Make them pink frilly curtains. <laughs> like, what you well, do for them? So what I will say is I did try at least to buy a pretty vase for his uh, girlfriend at the time who would stay <laughs> over. Um, and she said, did you, and she asked her, her that, and I, I don't know if they're still together. Did you buy that? Because that's really girly. And he said, no, my designer did. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, who else is hanging out in this house? She's like, I hope you didn't buy that because that's just weird. And that's I'm like, really listen, funny. I was just trying to give her a little sense of, you know, in detail in a very masculine bachelor pad. Uh, so that was really funny. And, you know, when I first started, I really took on anything that came my way. So any client, uh, the pay was really low and it was not glamorous. I was running around town, you know, um, and that's another thing I'd love to, to talk about is, is we are often told when you start out, you really have to, you know, work your way to the top, which is true and take on, you know, whatever you can. But what I wish someone would have told me is, yes, it's important to take as many projects as you can. And you obviously have to start from the bottom, but don't take a project that if, if something in your gut is telling you this is off, or I can't make this person happy, or I'm setting myself up for failure, don't go there. So an example would be, you know, a client who's worked with four other interior designers and was terribly unhappy with each one. Well, that's a warning flag that maybe you should not take that job. Oh my gosh. No. Okay. I have to tell you this. That is exactly mm -hmm. the symptoms that you want to look for. So, okay. Here's what, this is best explained by, oh, what's his name? Daniel Kahneman and thinking fast and slow. So I read psychology okay. books for fun. I think they're marketing textbooks and so <laughs> psychology book. And he tells the story of when he was in his PhD program, the professor mm -hmm. said to them, at some point in your career, you're going to come across a client and they're going to say, you know, Daniel, honey, Esty, like you are it. And no one else has been able to help me, but I, I loved your talk. I see your style and I totally see that you are the person. This other one was bad for this reason. That was bad. And that was bad. And that was bad. But you you are the person who's going to save this. And I'm so excited to work with you. He said, when that happens, run really fast in the other direction and don't look back because that is a psychopath. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so oh, yes. I think that, that this point is so important for service business owners, especially when you're starting out before you have experience. I, I always teach client filters, right? How to get your dream clients in. And there is a process. And, and what's one person's dream is another person's nightmare. But there are some clients that I call terrorist clients that really no one should have to work with ever, except for really highly paid professionals, yes. <laughs> helping them in the mental health field. So run very fast in the other direction because yes. you're fresh and you're new and this person will kill you. <laughs> Absolutely. And <laughs> I'm glad we are saying this. So hopefully someone will take that lesson. And I had this also in the beginning. I had this one lady I remember. And I remember the first time it happened to me, I was so flattered because I was so clueless because I hadn't read his book yet. And I right. felt so flattered. She'd come to one of my talks and she was like, Essie, I've tried everybody and none of them know what they're doing. But you, I can't believe I found you. I'm so, and I was like, oh, and I was probably like two years into my business. I'm like, oh, you're right. I am so special. And she was a second right. <laughs> Completely, yeah. Yeah. completely crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, the other idea is it, you, you are allowed to verbalize to your clients what you need from them too. So I need a client to trust me. 
And if they are going to constantly second guess or question, I can't do my job. And it took me a long time to figure out that's okay, that clients have requests from you and you can request something back from a client. For sure. If you're working in a long-term relationship and with design, it's very personal. You're in their homes, in their spaces, but that, that, that's really a necessity when starting a healthy relationship. For sure. And that's, again, client relationships are, are relationships, right? So in any relationship, yeah. you want that give and take, or we call it abuse when there's only take and no yeah. give, like, yeah. or only give, but no take. You know, when it's, when it's a one-sided relationship, that doesn't work. And, and I couldn't agree more. Guys, all of you, these, these tips are gold. I hope you're like eating them all up. Um, <laughs> eating gold. Okay. Still yummy. They have like gold foil now that they sprinkle on, on cake. Yes, um, they do. But it, it's so important that the client trusts you and that you do feel comfortable with stating your needs in the relationship. And again, I, I once had a client who like half our meetings were like him telling me what he needed. I'm like, if you want to pay me, to tell me again what you need from me, like, cool. Um, but, you know, I, but if that's happening, there's an uncertainty. That, that, yes. that, you know, when we say, yes, I'm sure that that's over there. If you were really sure, you would just say, yes, that's over there. You know, Correct. So it, it shows you an uncertainty and, and trust is critical. Trust is critical. So if you feel like you have to prove to the client, 90% of your business is going to come easy. That's the truth. Yes. But we spend so much time on that 10% that it feels like 90% comes hard because it's 90% of effort on 10%. It's, it's not even the 80-20 rule. It's the 90-10 rule. It's really worse. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So true. So if you're pushing, yeah. don't do it. But I, I, I agree also with what you said about starting at the bottom. Again, like you took the internship first in the beginning. You do take everything. And I, again, there is such a fine line to travel between mm -hmm. not taking things that are bad. And I like how you said with the gut. Cause that is important. When you just, when you have that feeling, that's your subconscious intelligence. It's what runs, I think 99% of your life. Okay. You're breathing, you're eating, your blood flow, a ton of your emotional reactions. That's that gut feeling. Yes. <laughs> Trust it. It knows what it's doing. Yes. Um, that's a really good differentiator, but don't be a snob. You are fresh and you are new. And I've seen people just, you know, launch and fall flat because they're too cocky or they're faking at being too cocky and they try to charge too much and they try to be too cool when they're, they're not cool at all yet. Sorry. Like, because you look at someone who's where you want to get you like, well, they look like that already. So I'm just going to look like that, but, but you aren't that and you can't pull it off. Correct. Correct. And, you know, going back to that feeling of, of what's in your gut, uh, there's a great book. I don't know if you heard of it called playing big by Tara Moore. Yeah. Oh, Never heard fantastic. of it. And she writes in there about, uh, she uses two Hebrew words, actually. One is called pachad and one is yira. And they're both Hebrew terms for fear, but they're very different. And, you know, the pachad is the overreactive fear, the worst case scenario fear that a lot of us deal with day to day. And that we have to really, you know, fight against that. But there's another kind called Yira, which is when you inhabit a larger space than you're used to, when you come across something that is awesome, when you push yourself in an exhilarating, exciting new adventure, that's a good kind of fear. So learning the difference of, you know, that you're either going to get a gut feeling of, oh my God, this is so not for me, but you'll feel when it's really not for you. Or when you feel a little bit of excitement with that fear, but there's excitement, there's a passion, then you know to kind of lean into that. So I thought I that like was really that helpful. A lot. That's mm -hmm. really cool. Yes. Yeah, so when I you tell them lean in, it's it's well, what do you lean into? So it's really learning what you want to lean into. That really helped me. That is cool. And and I really believe also that listening to your gut is conditioning. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's like that alarm clock. You know, if your alarm clock goes off and let's say it's got a glitch and you can't turn mm -hmm. it off, which happens sometimes, the battery's dying, whatever. So, you know, you take it, you wrap it in a towel. And then you wrap it in another towel and a blanket and you stick it under a pile and you stick it in the closet. And I think some people treat their gut feelings the same way. You know, it goes yeah. off and you're like, Shh, wrap it in a towel. <laughs> it goes off again. You're like, wrap it in another towel. You're like, just get in the closet. Just hush. <laughs> um, don't do that. Because what you got to do now is start to unwrap it so you can hear it um, because it is an alarm bell. And I love that differentiation um, between Pachan and Yira because- yeah. There, there's there's fear and which is worry, and then there's fear which is excitement, and understanding the difference will help guide you exactly in, in the direction. Amazing. Exactly. So, how did your business become so 
girly. This fascinates me again, because I'm, I'm not a girly girl at okay. all. Okay. <laughs> so um, I grew up with a grandmother. She wasn't Southern herself. She was born in New York, but she moved to Evansville, Indiana when she married my grandfather. It's five minutes from Kentucky and it's very Southern, very glam. And that's, you know, kind of, you know, that was my role model. And, and I grew up with the twall and the monograms and I loved all of that. So when I became interior designer, I thought, okay, I've got to find a niche because there are, I don't know how many other interior designers in LA doing the modern mid-century look or the very, you know, pared down millennial look. So why don't I just own my style and taste? And if a client hires me, it's because they've really seen what I've done and they love it. You know, not because I'm cheap or, or they have to or their friend recommended. And so that really helped me find my niche market. I love how you say that. And I feel like I need to take this clip and play it for some of my clients. I actually had someone on a call yesterday and I was trying to get her to focus on, on a niche. This mm -hmm. is the exact conversation we had. And she said, but everyone just hires on word of mouth. And I said, but that's because you have no niche. <laughs> if right. you had a niche, people could hire. And her niche is more harmonious space. Okay. Um, not feng shui specifically, but just she has a natural flair for creating this kind of balanced, calm space. She's like, but no one's saying, I want a balanced space. I said, they're not necessarily saying it, although some truth is sometimes they do. But if that's what you become known for, then whoever does say it, they know to find you. And this is what you do. And, and I think that's something else, you know, and, and again, women, people pleasers, right? Even, even those of you men who fall into the people pleaser category, if you're still listening here, <laughs> this is a girly episode. Um, I think that we're so hesitant to niche as well. Because Correct. then I don't please everybody. Then I'm only pleasing some of the people some of the time. But I have news for you. That's all you're going to do anyways. Yes. Yes. And, and I think there's this fear that if you, if you do create a niche, you have less uh, projects. But I remember a rep giving me advice in my early days. And he said, you really only need a few couple good projects that can pay you really nicely rather than running around for those 100 small little projects. So really, even if it's scary at the beginning, try to find those clients who really get you, who want to pay you, and you get a really nice project uh, working with them. Totally. And again, and this is in any industry, right? For sure yeah. in any of the creative industries, but in any industry, you know, find your specialty. I've had accountants who are really amazing financial analysts, and I've encouraged them to lean in on that. Mm -hmm. I love how we're using the term lean in, but, it, but it's true. You know, yeah. don't, like, accountancy is one of like the most flat, <laughs> boring, but even an accountant can differentiate themselves based on their specificity. I, yes. I had accountants who are great at, you know, black hat techniques, <laughs> lean in on that. <laughs> right, right. You know, everyone's got their thing. And if it's something you're already good at, you're already getting known for, don't hide from it. Don't be like, no, we, we, everyone at the beginning. So they're like, I could do anything. I could do everything. And, and I fall into this category so bad. I, I, I self-proclaim a huge victim of this in the beginning. Like I, I took anything. Right. I, I did resumes. I did like absolutely anything that was related to helping people make money. And then like slowly, slowly you find your space. Right. Absolutely. It's funny. I have a funny story about it because I was in Israel last week for Passover and I was at the hotel, the Western Wall, and I heard this voice say, honey, and I turn around and there's this woman who I don't know. And she's like, hi, you don't know me, but you help me with my kitchen. And I'm like, I did? So this is really funny. I don't do a lot of e-design services because I really like to be in someone's house. But this was a woman who followed me on Instagram. And I think for months, you know, kept in contact with me. I love your style. Please help me. Please help me. There's no one in my area, please. And I finally said, okay, I'll help you. And so I sent her mood boards and we did a lot of emails and she sent me pictures and I helped her with some of her colors, pink colors, tiles, you know, lighting fixtures. And then she sent me the final picture, but I never really met her. And so it was so funny. She's like, oh, it came out great. And that's a perfect example of, of someone who, who wanted my style even though right. she didn't live near me and who was really happy to receive it. It worked out really nicely. And yeah, it was just, you know, she really wanted to embrace my particular look and I was so happy to help her. I love that. And again, oh. for everyone who's afraid of leaning in, we do live in a global marketplace. And, mm -hmm. and I, like you say, like you specifically like to work in person as an interior designer, you kind of need yes. space, but you know what? There are e-designers. You know, we had Correct. on the show, I think we've talked in the beginning about um, Jerlinda 
Stella, who does um, personal uh, fashion, not fashion, wardrobe. Uh, yes. Stylist. There's the word. I'm losing my English. Um, as a personal stylist. And, uh, you know, I worked with her remotely after that episode. And she wow. totally overhauled my wardrobe from Australia. So, guys, That's she's amazing. great. <laughs> you should totally go check out that episode again. Um, but it made such a difference. Like, she found me my color palette. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. That kind of is my color palette. And, like, suddenly I have a wardrobe instead of a bunch of pieces. So, right. you there's a global marketplace. Like we're so afraid. We're like, no, there's only like 16 people in my, you know, immediate radius. It's just not true. Right. Correct. When you specialize, you start to draw attention from everywhere. Yes. And okay. If you're a massage therapist, you're right. <laughs> you, you really can't. Okay. Um, but in almost, I would say, you know, let's say 80% of service industries, you don't have to physically put your hands on the clients to work with them. And in right. products, for sure not. You ship them. So majority of business, niche, niche, yeah. lean into your specialty. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so I said we were going to go back, and I do want to go back to this whole okay. people-pleasing thing yes. that we kicked off with. Sure. So what would you say? So it sounds like, again, this is not my thing so much. I'm naturally mm -hmm. like, listen, you know, you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. <laughs> right. I still go to the ends of the earth to make my client happy, but not from a place of like, I need them to, because otherwise I feel broken from a place of, I think it's the right thing to do in business. Um, and so how did you move from like taking it so personally to being okay. able to personalize it? So again, this is not for everyone, but I started to work with a coach. And I worked with her, I've been working with her for about a year and a half now. And really, we really went through, you know, even back to my childhood, what, what were some of my habits and my thought patterns that caused me to be a people pleaser? And it's not something that you can kind of squash overnight. And I really want to, you know, make women aware of that. Don't be hard on yourselves. It takes time. If you've learned 35 years of a certain behavior or pattern, you will not be able to get rid of it in a week. But no, to at least, you know, not. it's more having that awareness. So now when I speak to someone, there's an awareness. It's okay if something went a little wrong. We're going, and how, how to have the proper words to use to, um, you know, to really not avoid conflict, but to, to dive in and how we can address a certain situation and come up with a solution rather than being terrified of any form of mistake or conflict. And again, in work, conflicts and mistakes happen all the time. It's how you deal with it. If you deal with confidence and calm and respect towards the other person, generally, you know, they can be resolved really nicely. If you are terrified and don't want to go near it, well, then that's a problem. <laughs> totally. And, yeah. and I think the communication styles, you know, assertive, aggressive, passive, aggressive, like majority of people who are in the people-pleasing space, they're either passive or passive-aggressive. Correct. Right? Not, and complete avoiders. We, we don't want yeah. to have a hard conversation. That's well, sometimes passive. You passive is, I'm just going to like not access this at all. And passive Correct. aggressive is, I'm not going to access it, but I'm going to just dig while I, while I don't access it. Like, Correct. oh, yeah, no problem. I'll get that to you. Two weeks later, <laughs> it's not there. Yes. Yes. That's, that's called passive aggressive avoidance. Yes. <laughs> Being aggressive without dealing with it. So that's cool. So I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but your coach sure. is a therapist. <laughs> Sorry, like your coach sounds like a therapist. Like that she, sounds like so therapy. she's not. Yeah, so she's. I don't think she is a proper therapist per se. But I would say if you could find anyone who you're comfortable with, who is a life coach, a lot of them have a background in a lot of behavioral techniques. So you know, it doesn't mean you have to have full-on therapy. But finding someone who can really keep you accountable, who understands your background, and who can work with you, and also give you, you know, actionable steps to take. So for someone that might mean having one hard conversation or that might mean, you know, one billing cycle, don't slash any hours, you know, so you have I hear these, that. Okay. So from a coaching it? perspective, that's cool. Cause I do uh -huh. this stuff with some of my clients. Like, as you were saying it, I, like, yeah. I do that with clients, but I don't go back into their history so much. Yes. See, the yes. history of the therapy thing. I always look at coaching. Um, and like, I always say, like, I try not to talk about the fact that I'm a certified coach. Cause everyone's like, coaches are just liars and fakers, but like, no, there are no, some not of at all legit and have, like, I went into coaching because I didn't want to deal with people's problems. I was mm -hmm. Coaching or therapy, basically. Like, I, I want to help. I've been mentoring for years, and I decided coaching because to me, coaching is I take you from where you are and I get you to where you want to go, as opposed right. to 
from history and fixing you to be better where you are, I want to get you somewhere else. So we don't ignore the past, mm-hmm. but yeah, and those action items. So I like that. Cool. Good to know. Yeah. So it's not about hyper-focusing on the past and it is different than talk therapy. It's just the idea of where would this have come from? You know, what patterns did you learn over the years? And now that we know what caused you to develop these patterns and habits, how now do we fix them? Love it. That is coaching. That is, yeah. that is totally coaching. And it's how to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. Amazing. So I think that's great. And for all the people pleasers, um, I think that's a good recommendation. Get help. Yes. <laughs> get support. And it doesn't have to be paid help. Like there are, there are support groups. There are probably podcasts about it. There are books, but it doesn't sound like it's something you're just going to sit one day and be like, all right, I'm not a people pleaser anymore. Like this is work Correct. that needs to be done very much with another person or with support of somebody. So what, let's say, let's give us like two or three strategies. Cause you know, on the show, we like to be super practical. Mm-hmm. What could people do? Like you mentioned one that I thought was good, you know, like for one billing cycle, don't slash any hours. I think that's for someone who's stuck in people pleasing in every billing cycle, they're slashing hours. That's a really good practical. Okay. This is part of what I'll do. What are some other like tips? So I think when you're in a difficult situation, again, you know, everyone, it's going to be different for every person, but let's say for me in a, in an area where we're working on a construction site, which can be very challenging, a lot of money involved, um, you know, something, if you can't make a meeting, well, how do you have that conversation? Do you kind of flake out? You know, you have to really show up. So what you could say is, I don't mean to be disrespectful of your time, but something came up. So let's reschedule what works for you. So you, you said what you had Ooh. to say. But Wait, there you're... are four pieces there that are so important. Mm-hmm. One, acknowledgement yes. that you are possibly causing difficulty for the other person. Correct. And that it's not the end of the world, that it can happen. So for people pleaser, that's you go into panic mode. Oh no, oh no, the, the contractor is going to drop the project because I didn't show up. No, they won't. But you do have to clarify and articulate what the problem is and why you couldn't show up. Totally. <laughs> so, you know acknowledging the challenge you might have been creating, mm-hmm. being clear and firm with what you cannot do. Correct. Right? So like I, I apologize or I apologize if there's any difficulty here. Um, I am not able to make it. No hesitation. No, like, I'm not sure if I can make it, which is Correct. such a line. Just very clear. This is what I am not able to do. Um, and then what can we do to fix it? Correct. How and showing the other person that respect. Yeah. yeah. Love mm-hmm. it. Wait, that was only three parts. I thought there were four. Say the line again. I remember thinking. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I don't want to be disrespectful of your time. Mm-hmm. Let's reschedule is what time works best for ah, you. There it is. Right. So then you, you really cater towards the their schedule. Piece. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the fourth piece. So you're basically sandwiching. I like that. This is a really good script. I'm going to use this. I like your coach. Um, <laughs> The, the, it's a sandwich. No, yes. I love scripts. I love when you can systemize and systematize things. So sure. this is actually a, a script, right? On the mm-hmm. top and the bottom, you've got respect for the other person. And in the middle, you've Correct. got respect for yourself. Correct. That's really what it is. So on the beginning, you're saying, don't be disrespectful, right? So you're, you're showing respect to the person. Then you're being respectful of yourself. This is what I can't do. And this is what I can do. I cannot make it. Let's reschedule, right? So I've given you the problem. I've given you the solution. And then I'm being mm-hmm. respectful of you. What works for you? Exactly. I love it. That was so great. <laughs> that was great. Yes. No, because I find that because I can do this. Like I could, I could give you that sentence, and I can mm-hmm. give them that sentence, and I could try to train them to it. But being able to give them a script and a structure and say, make a sandwich, respect for client, respect for you, respect for client. That's fantastic. Yes, and rather than going, time. yes, rather than going to panic mode, you have this. Exactly. There's no panic. There's no, what do I say? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, no. Or we tend to over apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so, 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 so sorry. We talk very fast. We get very heated up. No reason for that. So that's really helped me. I have to say I love it. <laughs> it yes. sounds like you've come so far. I, I you. you're really an inspiration. I Thank love you. it. It's, it's still a journey. It's still a process, you know. Um, so what are you dealing with now? What, what part of the journey are you up to? What's the current struggle in the business? Okay. So interestingly enough, I started a different little venture on the side, which is the Boss Madel podcast. And that was a way to record the more personal side of a woman's story. So we, you know, we hear a lot about business, but I wanted to know 
sometimes you hear podcasts and someone will say, well, one thing led to another and here I am. And I want to know what is that one thing that led to it? Do you have bad days? Do you have struggles? Do you have challenges? Do you have mom guilt? We all have them. Can we just talk about it? <laughs> it's so, so funny, but how does that connect? I feel like how does that relate it doesn't really connect to your other business at all. <laughs> I think it doesn't at all. I think okay. it is, it's just, uh, first of all, I'm a real people's person. And in interior design, you're constantly working with people. It's all about the relationships. But I think because I started this journey and I thought I can't be the only one struggling with this. Everyone looks so confident on Instagram. Everyone looks like they have it all together. Can I be the only one that really has these challenges? And so that's where this idea came from. Love it. <laughs> and it okay. was while, while writing an interior design article, I, I recorded the audio and um, I was playing it back to get all the details down. And while I was playing it, my husband came in the kitchen and said, this would make a great podcast. So apparently I'm not a great writer, but I'm definitely a better podcaster. <laughs> that's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's how yeah. I got into podcasting. I'm a really good editor. Um, but almost all of my written stuff, I dictate, then it gets written. Interesting. That's uh -huh. really great. Um, I'm a better talker. I, ah. I've always been a better talker. You're natural. <laughs> I'm a natural talker. I, my parents told me that I was talking sentences at age one. Now, I have small children. My two-year-olds mm -hmm. don't talk full sentences. I don't know what that means, but they have it recorded. My first birthday, I'm saying sentences. So this, That's amazing. I, this is just a God's gift. Like I didn't do anything with it. Like I've honed it, but I definitely was handed something. Right. So what's the struggle with the podcast? Like what's okay. happening? So basically it's, it's not, I don't think it's a struggle is so much as a decision that I'm kind of doing that it's not very common. We started it two months ago. I started it. I have a team that helps me, uh, but I put it on Instagram. I made an Instagram account and I got someone to help me with the social media growth because the idea is grow fast, get a lot of followers, get a lot of engagement. But the thing with a podcast is just because someone likes a photo does not necessarily mean they're going to listen to your episodes. So I got this guy to grow my numbers really fast. I had no idea who these people were. They had no idea who I was. They did not listen to the podcast. They liked five pictures. That was that. And so I said, whoa, we, we got we to gotta hold off here a little bit. And so what I'm trying to do is grow it more organically, a little more naturally. But sometimes I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Because the numbers look smaller. So gotcha. that's so where... this is marketing. Okay. So let, exactly. let's talk marketing. And, uh -huh. and by the way, what you're talking about the whole, the reason you started your podcast is the reason I started my podcast. And that's, I think, you know, we, we, why we, very... I love your podcast. Bravo. <laughs> we need more of these. I mean, well, actually we don't because we have yours. <laughs> we have mine. We have yours. Um, no, but that was the whole point is that I, that's exactly what business breakthrough is. Everyone looks so shiny and perfect on the outside and on their socials and everybody struggles in their business somewhere, which is why every mm -hmm. episode we get to the struggle, right? right? So people will say, oh my gosh, look at Connie's podcast. It grew so fast. Look at her Instagram. And here you are. And I, and I appreciate so much your honesty and your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, you're like, no one's listening to it. I see like I've got very, I don't have a lot of listeners. I got a lot of Instagram followers. I look super cool, but my numbers aren't growing. Right. So what's actually funny is I'm actually getting quite a lot of listeners on the episodes, which is really great. But the problem is when I try to approach someone, the numbers on my Instagram page, I only have 500 followers. And in this day and age, you need 10,000 followers or 15,000 followers or so everyone's telling me. So that's where I'm like, is it enough to have a consistent following listening to your podcast as opposed to a huge number liking your photos? And how do you tie those together? Got it. Okay. So because you're an interior designer, like you know yeah. Instagram and you don't know anything else, um, which is fair and reasonable. Correct. Every social media platform, the way I teach it, is a party. Okay. Okay. So when you come to the party, you got to get dressed for the party and you got to talk the way people do at that party and you got to follow all the norms. Okay. I'm not going to go deeper into it, but understanding that the Instagram party is actually not the podcast party. Podcasts are their own party. Now that doesn't mean you can't cross pollinate. And I grew my podcast very much from my LinkedIn and from my Instagram, but mm -hmm. it's partly because both of those platforms are on me. And the podcast grows on me. So it's built on a certain amount of personal brand. And so people Got follow it. me on LinkedIn, listen to my podcast. People follow me on Instagram, listen to my podcast. What you did is you separated your personal brand, which is the interior design, from the podcast, mm -hmm. which became its own thing. And what is happening now in the age of social media, it's all about the personal brand. And it's about mm -hmm. the personality. And so, and, and I don't think you did wrong. I think you did right because the podcast really is not your business. It's it really separate. does not tie into your business. You don't want to do that. What mm -hmm. that means is you almost definitely cannot use Instagram to grow your podcast. That's Got what it. it means. Got um, it. 
you could use another platform. What mm -hmm. you could do is if you wanted to learn LinkedIn, um, and we have like our LinkedIn 3030 and all different systems to teach mm -hmm. you, you could very much grow something like this on a platform like LinkedIn in a totally different identity. Okay. I mean, your Instagram identity is your interior design business. Your LinkedIn identity is your podcast. I don't often recommend that people split identities on social, but if you want to grow social or you could do it on Facebook, but I would tell you to take a totally different platform and okay. have kind of like a, a split, not a split personality totally, but like one platform focuses on one area and one on the other. And that's not wrong in business okay. at all because each one's a different party. That said, the best way to grow a podcast is to be on other podcasts. So here you are. Guys, who wants to know struggle doing face and business should go check out Boss Madel, and you should be getting on more and more podcasts, specifically right. women podcasts, and there are so many of them out there. It is completely okay to have a massive podcast listenership without a big social following. This podcast grew completely from itself, podcast, mm -hmm. and LinkedIn for almost a year before I touched Instagram. We had, we've never had a business break through Instagram page uh, at all. And I didn't know. even start talking about it on Instagram till almost a year after we were out there because I wasn't hanging out on Instagram because I was busy on LinkedIn. Got and it. People were like, get on Instagram, get on Instagram, get on Instagram. So I'm like, fine, I'll try it. And I've been having, I like stories. Stories are fun. I just take my phone and I talk to people and then I see that they're listening and then they talk back to me. LinkedIn's not that personal. LinkedIn is much more curated. I, I really work very much on tailoring my content, making sure it's very educational, very powerful, each piece, like a whole thing. Instagram, just like every day, I'm like, okay, here's the client struggle from today. Here's what's going on. And people love it. And I'm like, this is so right. fun. So, but every party's different. And, and my podcast, no one on Instagram knew it existed for a year and we were totally fine. That is so good to know because I'm having a really a nice amount of success with this podcast and I'm stressing myself out and not even enjoying it because I'm hyper-focusing on these Instagram numbers. No and reason. I'm like, this is Absolutely crazy. People are loving the podcast. I'm getting great feedback. You know, the numbers are going up and yet all I can think of is this Instagram number. I no reason. It's been ingrained in us too. Yeah. It, again, in, in the creatives. Yes, in the yes. Because in your industry, Instagram is the be all and end all. And I, and I agree. Mm -hmm. um, in the creative industry, that is the place for you to be. Every, every business entity. Again, some people just, I've seen interior designers be really successful on LinkedIn because they lean more towards that audience, the corporate construction and things like that. So it's, it's the towards your angle. But for you, my girly girl, um, Instagram is definitely, definitely the place to be for your business. But you don't have to do it for your podcast and because you're separating it from your personal brand. I would never advise you to do that. And this is, this will go into one of my pet peeves about social media agencies that don't know marketing strategy. And then you pay them a bunch of money and they give you no results because, and it's the blind leading the blind. No offense. Like you didn't know right. and they didn't know. And no one asked me. Right. Right. <laughs> and they were getting me followers who would, who would never even want to listen to this podcast. I for mean, sure. like this just is not my demographic. Numbers. Just yeah. to pad your numbers. And this is something I always find so funny, specifically on Instagram. Like my Instagram, it's been growing steadily. Thank God. It's really mm -hmm. fun. We're just a couple months into it, honestly. Um, right. We've been on Instagram now, maybe four months. Like really not long. Um, and we're doing really well. I have a similar engagement to people who have 15 times the amount of followers as I do. Wow. Like I look wow. at how many likes I get on some posts and I, and again, there is the diminishing returns as a following grows and I'm fully aware of that. But what you should know, cause we're here, you know, breaking that, those, these stereotypes, a lot of people have a lot of dummy followers, not dummies and stupid people as dummies as in, let's say it's not even black hat, just tons of followers that don't care about their content, that don't look, that don't watch. Either they paid a company or they did some kind of hacks, but you look at them like, oh my gosh, 15,000 followers. Oh my gosh, 15,000 there's a very few people that get 300, 400, 500, 1,000 likes on a post. Right. Most people, even with 15,000 followers, 30,000, are getting 100-something likes. I'm getting that too. I've got a lot less. <laughs> That's so good to know. Engaged followings is where we're at. And, and your podcast, just like we said, and I think this will take us full circle as we, as we wrap up here, mm -hmm. just like we said, there's no should mm -hmm. for, for a woman or a man in business, right? So like you, it's not that you should be stay home. It's not that you should work. You should be you. There's no should for your business or your podcast. You should do what works for this entity. So if you had a podcast that was your personal brand, Instagram is perfect. Right. Since you don't, it yes. is awful and a waste of time and energy and a lot of heartache. And those nuances are so important. 
Oh, Esti, thank you. I'm going to enjoy the feedback I'm getting and the numbers that are rising, and I'm going to relax on that Instagram. <laughs> completely <laughs> relax. Completely you do. relax. Yeah. There's, there's no reason. Yeah. There's just, I'm like thinking of different ways that you could grow it. And I almost don't want to tell them to you because I don't want you to think you should do it. I'm going to tell them to you in case you ever want to. Okay. If you really wanted to grow an Instagram following for your podcast, you would channel everyone from the podcast to the Instagram. You don't. So that's what I've been trying to do, but because mm -hmm. it's new, it, it takes time. So I have to get in. Yeah. Of course yeah, it takes but time. I, so I've don't, been... then just don't sweat it. That's it. Yeah. Your outro. Mm -hmm. would have for more information, for the links, for everything, go to our Instagram. That would be your main call to action on the show again and again and again. Um, okay. But I see no reason to do that. Okay. You could do it, but right. I don't see the reason to, because again, it's not the natural place for it because you didn't do it as a personal brand. Got it. Love that. Awesome. <laughs> Where can people, so, okay, guys, everyone, you can obviously check out the Boss Madel podcast, and we'll put those mm -hmm. links at sdran.com slash 63. And if they want to check out Fine and Pink and get Girly Girl, sure. where should they Yes. Okay. So uh, you can check out my website. I've got my portfolio bio services page at www.fineandpink.com. I'm also on Instagram as Fine and Pink. And uh, you can email me, um, findandpink at gmail for any, you know, requests or if you um, want any extra advice on what we talked about today, any book recommendations or some of the things that really helped me, I'm happy to share that with listeners. Awesome. I love that. That was great. So guys, sdran.com slash 63. We'll put all those links in plus the summary to this with all the amazing tips and that script oh, of yeah. how people pleasers <laughs> um, can deal with um not challenge adversity, disappointments, conflict, yes. um, any of that. That's fantastic. So you know that I like to end with a quote. Okay. Could you give us a quote to send everyone on their way today. Um, so I think, you know, this is going to be a very simple one. Um, this is from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, and uh, it really is essentially think good and it will be good. And, you know, I used to roll my eyes at that and think, oh, goodness, that's, overly simplifying things but the truth is for someone like me and women who tend to worry a lot and be overly anxious the more you can put yourself in a positive frame of mind that just it will help you in so many ways you can't even totally. imagine totally and by the way that's quantum physics also Yes, the secret, <laughs> all these books that everyone's exactly. talking about, it's it boils it's down law to that. attraction. It all goes back to think good and it will be good. We go from wave to particle. I've been studying a lot about quantum mechanics and quantum physics, you know. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. um, but this this is science now, people. Like, this this is legit. This is yes. not just spirituality and this is not just like fluffy, muffy. Correct. This reality. Correct. This is how the world works. Amazing. Honey, this was so fantastic. Guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and so important and so many good lessons. So all of you, reviews, please. Let me know what you love and let me know what you love more so we can keep making this podcast what you want it to be. So just stop what you're doing. I know you're busy. I'm busy too. Ani's busy too. We just sat here and entertained you. You're going to take three seconds. All right, 30 seconds. And you're going to go leave a review on iTunes pretty pleased so I can know what you like and what you like more. And we will catch you next week. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?